Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We work hard as physicians to take care of the health and well-being of our patients. But when it comes to our money, do we have the same condition of care? Probably, probably not. Let's change that together. Welcome to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast, where we'll fight and advocate for your financial literacy. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. Thanks for being here. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys, I want to welcome you guys to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. We've got a great episode this week. Uh, Before we begin, please hit the subscribe button as well as the notifications bell and be sure to like, comment, and share if you like this episode and we'll get into this week's sponsor and show. This week's episode is sponsored by CityVest. CityVest has quickly become the most popular and best way for doctors to invest in top performing real estate, private equity funds, that are usually reserved for institutional investors. This unique access to investing in these institutional funds is available for the first time ever through CityVest's easy and secure online investment platform. CityVest does the hard work of conducting due diligence and vetting the investments. They even get a third-party due diligence report that is posted on their website. As a result of aggregating a several million dollar investment amount into their access funds, CityVest gains access to investing in the institutional investment and is able to negotiate better investment terms such as a 12% preferred return. You can check them out at cityvest.com or go to the link in the show notes below. Now on to the show. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And my mission is to empower physicians to achieve financial independence and financial freedom early on so that they can practice medicine on their own terms as opposed to having to practice. So I tout four types of freedom. The first is financial, second is emotional time and location freedom and my mission is to bring guests that are doing innovative creative things outside the box and to show you what's possible so that you can design your best life in your business finance career family and relationships so without much ado we'll bring on this week's guest so welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And um, my mission is to empower physicians to achieve financial independence and financial freedom early on so that they can live life on their own terms and practice medicine because they want to, not because they you have to. And so 
in that respect, I always look for guests who are doing very interesting things, uh, cutting edge things, really new things to bring it to your awareness. So today we have Dr. Andrew Wilner, and he's uh, really an interesting guest, um, just speaking to him pre-show. So he's a neurologist, he's a health journalist, um, and also an avid scuba diver. And he's done so many interesting things. Um, he's uh, written a book, uh, The Locum's Life, A Physician's Guide to Locum's Tenon. He's also got a, a podcast, um, Art of Medicine with Dr. Andrew Wilner, and he also has his own YouTube channel. And uh, so without much ado, um, he will we bring Dr. Wilner on the show and, and welcome. Well, thanks, Chris. It's, it's a real pleasure and a privilege to be here. Yeah. And I know, uh, I know you and me, we've uh, spoken uh, on, on some of the same conferences and that's how we got connected. And, um, you know, you're talking about your latest venture. So tell us uh, all about yourself, your background. I'm always interested in how people, you know, got to where they became and, you know, what they're doing now. Well, first of all, Chris, I got to say that I wish I had met you uh, 40 years ago <laughs> because it's kind of it's late in my career now to uh, live financially uh, free um, at an early age. But uh, it's still it's still a goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a goal. But yeah, so my I have a day job. I work uh, full time as a neurologist. I'm division director of neurology at Regional One Health in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and mm -hmm. associate professor of neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center. And and I love that. I love to teach, and I love seeing uh, you know the the patients we have in the community hospital who are by and large are uh, indigent and uh, pretty sick. So mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not spinning my wheels there. You know, it's really worth it to go in every day because the patients uh, patients really need <laughs> you. So mm -hmm. uh, that's a lot of fun. And but I've had a, a long career of uh, writing. I don't know when I was like 12 years old or something, I decided that that was what I was born to do. And mm -hmm. so it's been many, many years of trying to juggle uh, writing, um, at, which is demanding. Oh, it may look easy, but it's it's pretty demanding. And medicine, which, of course, you know, if you're going to do it properly, is also demanding. So having two demanding careers has been a lifelong uh, challenge. And I think that's that's what led me to locum tenens, which I've worked off and on since 1981. You know, wow. I took my first locums job in an ER, a job mm -hmm. in those days, uh, you didn't have to be an ER doc to work in the ER. And uh, thankfully they've changed that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I delivered babies and set broken bones and removed foreign bodies out of people's eyes. And I did all kinds of things that I kind of learned on the fly. Uh -huh. uh, but it was a great year because I was writing a book. I worked uh, three 12 hour shifts, so 36 hours a week, which for physicians like half time, right? And uh, then I had four full days to myself to, to work on my book. And wow. a few things happened. Uh, I finished the book, although I, I was unable to publish it. There was no self-publishing option in those days. And the reviews I got, well, this is a great book, Dr. Willow, but we don't have any titles like it. And uh, I said, well, mm -hmm. yeah, that's why I wrote it. But it turns out that publishers like to have other titles you know, that they can compete with. If you if you write a book that no one else has written before, 
mm-hmm. they don't want to touch it because they're not sure where their little cell is. Like, wow, what a paradox. Anyway, the other thing I learned was that I loved neurology, yeah. which uh, I didn't know. You know, I, I was my plan was to do internal medicine because my role models were all these very uh, kind of cognitively excellent uh, in- internists. That was the big thing back then. But uh, when I did my internship, it's like, well, everything was the same. Cardiology, renal, GI, all interesting. And uh, But then I did this year on my own of ER, and I was like, wow. Patients <laughs> came in, you know, their double vision or cross-eyed or one side of their body was numb uh-huh. or uh, they couldn't speak properly and 10 minutes before they were fine. It's like, whoa, this, this is pretty interesting. Very, very challenging. And so I ended up completing my internal medicine uh, residency and then doing a neurology residency in Montreal at McGill at uh-huh. the Montreal Neurologic Institute and then staying another year for a fellowship in epilepsy. So seven wow. years of uh, formal uh, training. So the residents don't get any sympathy from me when they uh, complain about uh, how hard they work and they leave at five, you know, it's like, oh yeah, right. Um, yeah. So along the way, I've written four books and uh, the last one, as you said, was The Locum Life, A Physician's Guide to Locum Tenants. I was looking to write another book and I realized there was nothing, you know, there were a couple pamphlets and of course on the internet, there's a lot of information but you have to curate it, right? Because uh, a lot of it comes from the staffing agencies and there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, it's, it's not, it's like, you know, getting information from the pharmaceutical company. You have to sort of look at it uh, critically. So mm-hmm. I said, you know, I've had a lot of experience. I've worked inpatient locums, outpatient locums, academic locums, non-academic locums. Uh-huh. So uh, I wrote a book about it and it was fun to kind of put it all together and it's a great way I found it. Locums, it turned out, when I looked in retrospect, helped me enormously. Uh, first, mm-hmm. as I said, it helped me figure out what I wanted to do, which was do neurology. Later, it helped me travel. You know, I had a conventional job, you know, becoming a partner. I became a partner. I was in practice as a neurologist. Mm-hmm. But I got a little itchy. It was very hard to take time off. Yeah. You know, I want, I'm a scuba diver, as you mentioned, and of course, that kind of lay fallow for a while. I was in med school and residency. Every now and then, I'd get you know maybe a few days in every year. I'd say, I want to do more than that. So I planned this big trip to Southeast Asia, to uh-huh. uh, Malaysia, uh, oh, 17 wow. days, 17 days. It was like huge, 17 days. I had to you know, plan it out six months in advance so I didn't have clinic patients coming in. My partners were all in a tizzy that I was going to take so much time off. Mm-hmm. So I went to Malaysia. It was unbelievable. Uh, I'm pretty well traveled, but Malaysia was different. You know, I went to uh, an orangutan rehabilitation center. Oh, wow. I went to it. Uh, an island that's surrounded by sharks and dove with the sharks and, you know, all kinds of other stuff. And later there was a kidnapping on that island and luckily I wasn't there. Um, (laughs) But it was a great adventure. And I came back, you know, and all my patients had survived. There was like a mile high pile of charts on my desk. Uh But it was an eye opener, you know, that I really felt uh, constrained. Let's put it that way. 
So uh, when the opportunity came up to do locums, I started working just enough to earn what I needed to live on. And Mm -hmm. I live a fairly Spartan lifestyle. And so I would save money. And then I went back to Southeast Asia and I'd go back for three months at a time. And then I'd come back and work for three or four months and then go back. Eventually I had an apartment that I just kept over there. You know, and I'd fly back and go to my little place and I would write every day, you know, and because that's what I always do. And and then I take some time off and go diving. And it's like, you know, I mean, it was unbelievable. It was just like, uh, gee, I didn't know doctors could do this. And what worked for me was that when I'm at work, I like to be 100 percent present. And mm-hmm. so when I was doing my locums assignments for three, four, five months, it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is great. This is a wonderful, you know, put a spin on it. This is a great opportunity to practice medicine and make some money. And then when the assignment was over, it's like, I'm on my way to the airport and uh-huh. uh, I don't have to sign charts. I don't have to take phone calls. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing that trails you after a locum's assignment. You're just done and you walk away. It's like being in the military. You know, you just transfer from one base to the next and pick up the job and that's what you do. And that I did that for about 10 years, back and forth. I ended up uh, leading medical missions to the Philippines, uh, getting my dive master certificate, making some underwater movies. I met my uh-huh. wife over there. We now have a baby. It was life-changing. Uh-huh. Really uh, life-changing. The other thing, other way that locums helped me is uh, I mentioned the baby. So when we were thinking about the baby, I was thinking, well, maybe I don't want to travel so much. And I was traveling for locums. I was flying off for a week, coming back for a week. So I started looking for a permanent position. Mm-hmm. I looked for two years for that permanent position because I decided I wasn't going to take anything that I didn't really want. Uh-huh. And what was great about it was I'd go to an interview and the salary would be pretty good and the job would be pretty good. And it was like, yeah, I could do this. This isn't bad, but it's not really what I want. So I would just say, no, it's like, I got a great <laughs> locums gig going. I don't need this. Whereas if I hadn't had the locums kind of fallback position, it's like, gee, I better take this job. It's a pretty good one. It's not perfect, but I didn't have to. So I didn't. And then finally I stumbled on the job I got right now. And it's like, wow, this is just what I'm looking for. It's academic. It's teaching. It's week on week off. I don't have to travel. Cost of living's not bad. I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, there's a few too many shootings every day. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's always a downside, uh, but I've moved out in the suburbs where it's a little safer and I really love the hospital, but of course they offered me a very low salary. And, uh, so I just said, no, (laughs) like, no. And, uh, you know, uh, 30 years ago when I entered academics for the first time, they offered me a salary. I said, okay, because I figured, you know, that's what that's what the job is. You know, it's like you go to the supermarket and uh, the, the can of milk is $3.79. You don't say, well, you know, how about three fifty, right? right? I mean, I, I thought as a doc, I was pretty naive then, but I learned. So I just said, no. 
I said, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, and that's not enough for me to give up, you know, moving around, and even though it looks like a cool job. I said, you got to do better than that. You know, give me a call. Mm-hmm. And I was able to walk away. And of course, you know, that's the key to any negotiation is you have to be willing to walk away, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you always see that in the movies, the guys are bartering. So I go, oh, that's too much. And he walks away. And then the other guy starts chasing after him. Well, well, you know, we could do a little better. So, but I didn't mind because I was happy doing uh, locums and it was just fine. Well, sure enough, about three weeks later, I get this phone call. It's like, well, you know, we re- it's a long story. And they offered me uh, just enough to make it uh, kind of worth my while. So locums gives you uh, leverage. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite TV shows, by the way, leverage. It's just great, you know, and it's, it's rare that you have any leverage in this world. So, uh, it's nice to have locums and locums right now, you know, I, even though I, I actually do locums, con- uh, presently at the VA, there's a VA two blocks from where my regular job is and they're really seriously understaffed. So sometimes, uh, I help them out. Uh, it helps them and I, I make some extra money and it kind of keeps me in the locum's world. Um, but there's such a huge demand. I got a call today. I got a call today. The highest rate I've ever been offered for uh, one week on, one week off. It was pretty mm-hmm. tempting. And then I was like, oh, but I already have a job. <laughs> you know, so uh, it wasn't that high that I was going to quit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and that's the other thing. Every now and then, you know, you talk about burnout. I usually have a very good day at work, but every now and then you kind of have a bad day and you kind of have, and my face will just sort of light up. It's like, you know what? I can leave. No Mm. problem. If I really want to, I can leave and I can just get locums positions that will pay me as much, if not more, but a little more hassle, right? You know, you're traveling, you're negotiating new contracts, you're going to new places, uh, new EMRs. Uh, you know, locums, it's still work, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever you have, there's a lot of first days in locums. And, mm. uh, you know, as a resident, I'm sure you remember, you know, first day on a new service, <laughs> you don't really know the rules. And locums is, is like that, a lot of first days. Mm-hmm. So I had to work pretty hard on my uh, people skills and flexibility skills. You know, things yeah. never go the way you expect. You got to, and if they need you as a locums physician, they're going to pay you all that money. There's a reason, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's not the ideal job or somebody else would be there or they wouldn't have left. Um, yeah. Although I have to say that I was enormously lucky. I worked locum tenants at the Mayo Clinic in Phoenix. It was a wonderful place to work. I learned a lot and I had fun with the residents and they were great patients I worked locum tenants at Hennepin County Hospital in Minnesota. Great training programs there. It's like every other internist you meet trained at Hennepin. They have like the biggest training program in the country. And it's uh-huh. a nice county hospital. I saw a case of Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease in oh, my wow. uh, five months there. I couldn't believe it. You know, whenever you put, you know, Creutzfeldt-Jakob in, uh, in the differential diagnosis, you know you're usually going to be wrong. It's pretty rare. <laughs> so I always tell the residents, you know, you're probably going to be wrong if that's what you think it is, because it just doesn't happen very often. But sure enough, so uh, locums can be uh, a lot of fun, and I think for for all the reasons I I listed above. 
Mm. So yeah, this it was it's very fascinating. And then you talk about um, locums. You have a lot of um, location, time freedom, a lot of flexibility. Um, you know, it gives you a lot of leverage. Um, so if uh, if people are interested in locums, what is the best way to get their feet in um, to get started either um, after their training? Yeah. So, um, well, the first thing to do is think about why you want to do it. Uh, for example, there are sort of three stages of your career. It's like, well, I've just finished my residency or fellowship and now I'm going to go to work. Locums for people like that is a chance to explore geography, mm -hmm. uh, to explore uh, work style. Do I want to be in a big clinic, solo practice, partnership, you know, academics, uh, without, you know, making too big a commitment. It's another way a lot of people graduating, just finishing, have a partner who may be a, a year ahead or a year behind. It's a way to kind of tread water for a year while the other one catches up so you can both go somewhere together. Uh, Mid-career guys, it's usually for extra cash. And then late career, it's, uh, well, you know, you don't really want to retire. You want to slow down. So to get started... Um, at the risk of not being humble, I, I would certainly recommend reading my book, The Locum Life, A Physician's Guide to Locum Tenants. Uh, if you don't want to read the book, I have a five-minute video on each chapter on my website, andrewwilner.com, uh, that's available for free. Just go to andrewwilner.com slash videos. And there's a video on every chapter, you know, malpractice, credentialing, travel, uh, all the things that, you know, you need to learn about. Uh, I just did actually a audible book version of my book. So if you like to drive around and listen or uh, work out. So I narrate it six hours, 45 minutes. There's an audible book, same title. And uh, that was a lot of fun to do. And you can feel free to contact me also through my website and I can refer you to uh, staffing agents. You know, you don't need a staffing agent. You know, you just put your ear to the ground and you say, hey, you know, I'm th thinking of work, doing some, you know, extra work. And it may turn out, you know, that uh, the internist, you know, next door uh, is going on maternity leave, right? And all of a sudden there's an opening and they'd be glad to have you, you know, pick up some shifts. So that's the easy way to do it. And that's how I got my Mayo Clinic job was just a colleague I met at a conference who I knew well. We were chatting and they were understaffed. Or you go to a staffing agency and, of course, they have, they have relationships with uh, hospitals and clinics. And uh, they'll tell you what's available. And, uh, but it is important to know if you're going to be happy why you're doing it. Are you just doing it to make some extra cash? That's fine. You know, are you doing it because you're trying to figure out what plat pra practice style works for you? You want to be a hospitalist or outpatient? Uh, so figure that out, and it'll, that'll make everything else much, much easier. Yeah. Yeah, those are some great tips. Um, what are, uh, I know uh, a lot of um, uh, physicians are interested in the tax benefits, so um, if you could Describe, you know, how you set up a corporation. I know some, uh, like a lot of locums, ER doctors, they set up an S-corp and, you know, a lot of their travel expenses, et cetera, they can write off because um, they get- Yes, 
Yes. So if you yes. want to yeah, talk about that. Right. Uh, I'll get there in a second, no. uh, but I don't want to forget that if you do locums, you should have a CPA. Yeah. Certified public accountant who can help you. And if you contact me, I know of two who specialize in physician clients, one of whom physician specializes in locum tenants physicians. <laughs> and uh, he's actually my accountant now for the last couple of years and is a wonderful guy and knows all of the tricks and rope, you know, that you were talking about. So it turns out that if you're a locum tenants physician, you're considered to be your own business or a, a self-employed person mm -hmm. and self-employed people versus employed people. Uh, for example, you know, you go to work every day and you get a paycheck deposited every two weeks. And at the end of the year, you get something called a W-2 and they take your taxes out of every paycheck before you even see it. Uh -huh. So that's an employee. But if you're an employee, a self-employed person, it turns out not only are you an employee, right? Because you're working for someone, but you're working for yourself. So you're actually the employer. <laughs> and it turns out that the employer has certain tax advantages. Uh, so as the employer, you can put a lot of money away in retirement fund that you can't put in as an employee. But as an employee, you can also put in what you can put in as an employee. Uh, and then as you mentioned, business expenses, you know, when I go to the hospital every day for my employee job, if I buy a computer so I can, you know, get remote access, that's a business expense, but not as far as the government's concerned because I'm an employee. Mm -hmm. However, if I am a self-employed uh, locum tenants physician and I buy a computer because I need it to keep track of uh, all my expenses, that for locums, all the, then that is a tax deductible expense. So by ha by having this, even if it's in addition to your other job, like I have two jobs, right? I'm a self-employed locum tenants physician and right now an employee, you can do it both ways. So this is where it gets, you know, a little sophisticated. You know, I'm, I don't give uh, accounting advice, but what I've learned, I have been able to put much more money into my 401k uh, than I would have been able to as a uh, employee. And my income tax has been reduced because I'm able to deduct my business expenses from my uh, gross uh, income. Uh, in terms of corporation and all that, I talked to my CPA about it a few times and he didn't think it was necessary in my particular case, right? But, you know, finance is never one size fit all, but it's actually not even necessary. So you don't have to concern yourself with that. It may be advantageous, you know, in your particular situation, but working locums is basically you sign a one page contract and uh, you show up and, you know, you take care of patients, you sign your charts and you go home and you're done. So the simplicity of it is beautiful compared to owning your own practice, which I did, um, you know, and all the personnel hassles and politics hassles. I mean, the beauty of it, you know, you just show up, you know, the place is usually a little bit of a mess, but that's okay. It's not your problem, your job, do the best you can under the circumstances, taking care of patients, what you went to medical school for, mm -hmm. and then go home, go hiking, you know, save your money for Southeast Asia. Uh, it has a lot of benefits. Yeah.
Uh, so, um, and I know, uh, so what type of uh, individual, like um, if you're single or you're married, if you have kids, um, what, uh, what, sort of, what's, what are the sort of downsides of locums um, that you've encountered? Yeah. So of course there are downsides. I mean, it's obviously perfect if you're single and you can just do whatever you want without consulting anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also have to have uh, cash flow can be an issue. You know, locum tenants uh, contracts can be canceled up to 30 days before they start. And that, that happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. I've had two contracts, you know, I was going to start September one and on uh I guess it was sort of, uh, it would have been uh, July 31st. I got an email. Uh, the hospital decided they don't need you. And oh. so the whole plan is off. Mm-hmm. So you have to have, you know, I always recommend six months of uh, money in the bank, right? For all of your expenses. In my case, if somebody canceled, it's like, okay, I'll go work on my book for a month. So uh, it, it wasn't a tragedy, but if you're somebody that, you know, lives paycheck to paycheck because you've got, you know, three kids in private school and a big mortgage on your house and, you know, six cars, you know, locums may not work for you. And it may just be easier uh, just to have a regular, you know, every two week paycheck and just do your job. So mm-hmm. it's certainly not for everyone as a, you know, full time gig. Uh it can be good if you, you know, on vacation time or do a little bit, little bit here, a little bit there, like I do at the VA, just to pick up some extra money. And, you know, it's kind of fun to take care of the veterans. It's a different environment. They have slightly different problem sets, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so uh, it widens your horizons. But certainly the cancellations, I would say, are a big thing. Uh, getting paid's not a problem. You know, staffing agencies, they're pretty responsible. They do direct deposit these days. Uh, you have to pay quarterly taxes. You got to stand, stay on top of your expenses. And if you're full-time locums, you got to get your own health insurance. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you don't get any benefits with locums because, uh, well, as I said, you're the employee and the employer, right? Yeah. So unless your employer gives you benefits, yeah. which is you, <laughs> you're not going to get any. Uh, but the only benefit you really need is health insurance. And, yeah. uh, and that's costly. So, you know, when I was working locums full time, uh, I went through the, I think what was, it's not the Better Business Bureau. It's, uh, you know, one of those local business organizations. And I was able to get sort of a discounted rate as, a, as an independent business, the way you would if you had a little, you know, a little shop. Uh, but you know, health insurance these days is very, very expensive and you have to budget for that. You definitely have to budget for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You've, uh, you've described a very, um, very, uh, interesting, uh, way of making side either main income or side income. So I, I know a lot of physicians are interested and I know, you know, with, uh, you know, for example, emergency medicine, um, uh, anesthesia, a lot of, uh, specialties are going into this locums model. So um, very fascinating uh, story and just a lot of wisdom. How can, if people are interested in, you know, your books or getting in contact with you, how can they contact you? Best way is uh, andrewwilner.com. Of course, the book's on Amazon and Mm -hmm. uh, you can get it at a a little lower rate if you uh, get it through my uh, website. and yeah, and I'm happy to answer uh, questions. I take questions all the time. Um, 
you know, I don't charge anything. I'll give you 15 minutes. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you know, if that can help your help your life, you know, I'm a doctor. I like to make people's uh, lives better. And yeah. if uh, a few words of advice is going to set you in the right direction, uh, I'm happy to uh, provide it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, um, yeah. For all the listeners, we'll put all of um, Dr. Wilner's um, advice and all of his resources in the show notes and um, any parting words of uh, wisdom before we call it a day. Well, I did forget to mention that I have a podcast mm -hmm. and I often have guests uh, that discuss locum tenants. Uh, that's how the podcast uh, started. It was all about locums and now I've expanded it. That's the art of medicine. So it's the art of medicine with Dr. Andrew Wilner. You can watch it on YouTube or on uh, your favorite podcast uh, player. It streams uh, every two weeks. We're up to episode 50 something now. It's a lot of fun. It's about 20 minutes and I have really interesting guests and every now and then we have uh, a locums person. So that's something to check out too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And we look forward to having you um, on the podcast again as a future guest or, you know, even for a masterclass. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Oh, it's been a lot of fun, Chris. Thank you. Mm -hmm. What a fantastic show. I hope you enjoyed our very special guest. Just remember as a shout out to our this week's sponsor, CityVest.com. CityVest gives you access to the best real estate private equity funds with enhanced investment terms, verified due diligence, and lower risk. You can check them out at cityvest.com or click on the link in the show notes below to hear about their upcoming investment offerings. I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrislewmdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.